0: In this edition of the Silverfish Podcast, Carl and Dr. Janes discuss Watson, Jeopardy, and the end of days. I was at the check stand, and once I got bored learning about Liz Taylor's final days, I glanced across the Time Magazine cover that had a a cover story, which was basically an interview with Ray Kurzweil.
1: Oh, yes
0: Now that uh, Watson is answering Jeopardy questions left and right, the singularity is near again Yes, that's right, the end of days Yes So, I was wondering What exactly, what you think of that And The problems that might show up And, or what librarians Can or cannot do about them uh, the, the Watson thing in particular
1: Or uh, The singularity in general Watson in particular well, the Watson thing was fascinating. Obviously, as a lifelong game show slash Jeopardy fan, I was, I was particularly intrigued by the fact that they had chosen that as the, as the means by which they would build a, a system that would be able to engage in natural language. I mean, natural language has been around for a long time. But that particular challenge, because it's so much wordplay and metaphor and all sorts of other things... Um, and watching it fail was perhaps the most interesting part, was seeing the things on the bottom of the screen and then it would it, the answers it was generating that were so far off was almost as, as interesting as watching it succeed. And, you know, it's completely trumps the human race, the best the human race has to offer, so I suppose we all have to get used to that. And, you know, they all seem to have a good attitude about it. There's been a, a couple listserv discussions that I've been on beforehand, um, or not not participated in, but saw about Watson, and in particular the fact that it was question-answering, or basically question-answering. And was that the end of us all and what was left for us and so on? Uh, and, you know, it's pretty small potatoes when you think about it. Those kinds of... Uh, ready-reference questions. Well, those ki- they are basically ready-reference questions. Those kinds of, of factoid-based things, clever clever though it can be at doing that it still could fail the fact that it got toronto as a u.s city in the first final jeopardy was remarkably satisfying to me especially since i had it right Um, and i would have bet a whole lot more than 917 dollars or whatever it had bet which meant that it was pretty uncertain which i thought was odd for a category like that which was so fact-based about u.s cities. You know the ready reference thing, the fact of you know needing a person to help you find a fact that ship sailed a long time ago for my purposes with google um and for that matter wikipedia but what what uh, what Watson and things like that do not do is anything beyond that. there's no sense of context, there's no sense of perspective, there's no sense of evalu- of quality it was evaluating potential answers, but it wasn't. Quality, it wasn't depth, it wasn't engagement. There's so much more to it. And, and the people who were whining on the listserv were all about, oh, you know, it's trying to usurp our position, and this is, you know, and, and it, it, it's, it's a, I understand that reaction, but it's a very different way of thinking about questions and answers and engagement and, and what are we here for and the human touch and the, the role of people in all of this is much more than you know typing words into a keyboard or looking stuff up in the back of a book. So I'm not I'm actually kind of happy about it the, I thought Watson did a particularly interesting job. I also thought that the applications they talked about in some of those endless commercials was like medical diagnosis um, so it might be the doctors that have more to worry about than we do. They ran a commercial that was: medical diagnosis is very fact-based, and having to hold that all in your head, we have to spend years getting these facts about the body and syndromes and diseases and so on. We spend years drilling that into doctors. So a tool like this that could engage with people and help them to understand, you know, help to find out what symptoms are and then make diagnostic decisions, potential diagnostic decisions as a result of that, that could be a real benefit of a system like this. Well, sure. There was a medical diagnosis expert system 25 years ago, but you know, that was only within within a very certain range and you had to type in your symptoms and do a lot of clicking and it was very restrictive. It may be that the doctors have a whole lot more to worry about than we do because what we do what a good librarian does is way more, way more complicated, way more difficult, way more involved, way more human than Watson. So, Watson's cool. I enjoyed it. But, mm, I'm not worried. So, it's more like House than Watson? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, House has a lot more... I wish I don't watch that show because it drives me crazy. Uh, yeah. the The use of a tool like that as a As a means to an end, in much the same way that Google is. Now, you know, we all hear the what do we need libraries for, everything's on Google thing. Well, the fact that people are beaten down the doors these days tells us why people still need libraries. And why they still need the stuff, and why they still need the help, and the place, and and all the things that libraries are and stand for. But, you know, no one one at IBM said, hmm, let's try to build a reference librarian. They said, let's try to beat Ken Jennings at Jeopardy. Well, okay, they beat Ken Jennings at Jeopardy. More power to him. And they made a million dollars for a charity, which they probably put up in the first place. Um, fine, because it was their advertising money that was being used to support the show. Totally get that. No problem at all. Okay, go build us a reference library. Go go follow Nancy Hewling around for a few weeks and see what she does, or Emily Keller, or uh, you know, other people who are really good at this. Go build a Nancy Pearl. Yeah. Good luck with that one. That's a whole lot more uh, intricate and much more human than, you know, beating Ken and Brad at Jeopardy. Yeah, that requires telepathy. Well, and empathy. <laughs> yeah. and And, you know, there, but there are, you know, so Google was supposed to be the end of us all, and we all use Google every day, and nobody seems to be bothered by it anymore. And, and people will search things in Google they would never ask a person for. Great. And people would get Readers Advisory uh, recommendations out of a, out of novelists or a tool like that when they wouldn't ask a human being. Fine, 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 fine. Lots of different tools, lots of different kinds of access. Everybody uses what they want, and and people get their needs met. But mm, I'm not I'm not worried. I wouldn't want to play Watson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm relentlessly trying to get on this. Well, not relentlessly, but I'm trying to get on this show. But I don't want to play Watson. I wouldn't want to play Ken Jennings. So, <laughs> you know, Ken seems like a fun guy. I, the the you know, I, I for one welcome our computer overlords. I, I, I like Ken, and I read a piece that Ken did, a, a chat that he did on the Washington Post right around the time the Watson show was on. He's a hoot. You know, he's a kind of a whack job in a lot of ways, and I like him a lot. I think he's got you know, he's he's a funny guy. Got a lot on the ball. Um, I think he probably wiped the floor up with me, but there were a couple things I knew that he didn't know, so that gave me hope. But no, I'm not, I'm not worried. What can we do to
0: further the, the advent of our computer overlords, as it were, in that sort of Singularian, Rapture of the Geeks sort of way? I mean, what can we do in order to make the future better in terms of connecting people with information through technology that we're not doing?
1: that I think is one of the central questions that, that your generation of professionals will will have to engage is is I heard somebody say this at the eye conference how do we put lis the lis perspective and knowledge into the design process what do we as information professionals and library professionals what do we know? What can we do? What do we? What are we that can contribute to the design process? Because it was, it, if you if you looked at the kind of people who were interviewed in the Watson stuff, it was artificial intelligence people, natural language processing people, you know, high end computing people. It was those kinds of folks. But I didn't see any information people there. I didn't see any librarians. I didn't see any metadata people. I didn't see any taxonomy people. Now there may have been, but we didn't see that. And it wouldn't have been surprising if those kinds of people had involved that you would have seen for. Four o'clock. So what what do we have to offer in understanding people, in helping people to understand themselves, in in understanding people in their communities? helping people to, helping individual people to understand their information needs, and then what's most likely to be most helpful to a specific person at a particular time in a particular context that's of the highest feasible quality, and when to stop, and multiple methods of searching, and all the things that we do that, that, that others, other kinds of people, other kinds of professionals, and so far. Technology doesn't do much as we all use Google and Bing every day and Wikipedia. None of them are going to help you ask a better question, none of them are going to make sure that you're asking the right question, none of them are going to help you evaluate the results of it and use it um, and create new stuff. That's that is still exclusively a human province, at least for now. So, if you know, IBM wants to build a, a reference interview bot, great. More power to you. Um, it's going to be a hard, a much, much harder thing to do. File that under good luck with that. Well, and and yeah, I, <laughs> I, this well, one of the advantages of being old. There were systems years and years ago. The Eliza, Joseph Weizenbaum built Eliza, which was meant to mimic human conversation. It was fascinating. I played with that when I was in grad school. You know, a thousand years ago, It was absolutely fascinating. It ha- you could figure out what it was doing wrong and how it would fail but it would it would be able to carry on a conversation and then somebody built a system after after Eliza called Perry that because Eliza was meant to model a therapist Perry was meant to model a paranoid so everything you would type at it trying to hold on a conversation it would grab noun phrases and then say things like yeah but they're out to get you or something like that it was much easier to model a paranoid than a therapist because <laughs> it was a one note kind of thing you know All you got to do is say, they're out to get me, over and over and over again. You model the behavior of a paranoid really well. A therapist, it kept feeding you back things like, oh, I understand you want to talk about your mother, or it would have a certain, it didn't have a whole, it didn't have a very wide range. But it was only trying to help people, uh, it was only trying to model the behavior of a therapist. And there were studies back in the day that, that people felt like they were helped, That they would, you know, interact with Eliza and they felt better afterwards for no other reason than they were expressing what they were feeling or whatever. Again, you know, the reference interview, to take a very library example of this, is remarkably difficult. Because it can go anywhere. And any topic, at any level, for any person, at any depth, for any kind of purpose. So, and on any given day, it could be anything and it could shift in a a heartbeat. If you ask the right question, it could completely change. And that kind of agility, that kind of flexibility, that kind of intricacy of conversation is, is, as I say, way more challenging, way more challenging. But if if you could build something that worked, think what a great tool that would be to help lots of people in figuring out what they want to know and then being able to search. So if we could build the front end to Google, that would allow people to negotiate their question and have a better sense of what it was, what an enormous benefit that would be. That would be that would be the victory of librarianship, is to be able to build a tool like that that would help people.
0: And that's your assignment this week, LAS 521. <laughs> <laughs> this Silverfish podcast was recorded under a Creative Commons license on February 22nd, 2011, and was not intended to annoy anyone, living, dead, or otherwise, who maintains access to attack lawyers. All music in this podcast was provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com.